When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Okay, back here at the Minnesota State Fair, we have former NFL quarterbacks Sage Rosenfels and Brooks Bollinger here on the stage, and it is still raining. People are very wet. Uh, I got soaked looking for you, Sage. I wasn't sure which gate you were at, and uh, it was it was very challenging situation. But you know what? Well, then I but I did find some cheese curds. If you think that reporters can't battle through adversity too you're wrong yeah, and this is evidence right all the ele- yeah. all the elements my hair was wet and all messed up and yet i found a way to battle through this show uh and so, if you would have given up and just not come I, and got me i, I wouldn't have been upset and what would have happened really to each their own yeah i would have worked my way in <laughs> it's just like the andrew luck thing can i make I, one recommendation right. to all the listeners out there if you come to the state fair when you get when you get the cheese curds because everyone should just get cheese curds at the state fair i think the jalapeno are oh, personally yeah. my favorite. You got uh, ranch here. You got the garlic jalapeno. Well, I got this bucket, uh, and it has four different types: original ranch, jalapeno, and garlic. The garlic's pretty dang good. I'm gonna go with the jalapeno. I think is my favorite. You know, I, I feel like I'm not surprised when you walked in with a handful of cheese curds. I was like, that's that's not right. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> eaten anything yet today. That's the first thing I've eaten: cheese curds and now cookies. So it's been a, it's been a heck of a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here we go. <laughs> You're retired. What do you care? Well, this is about this way uh, it goes. Okay, so. Um, moving away from the state fair food and on to the Minnesota Vikings in 2019. Um, I, I think that a, a big topic here, especially after the first team offense struggled the other day, is just how much better can it be? How much better can Gary Kubiak make it? How much better can a slightly improved offensive line make it? And, and so forth. And, you know, I, I guess I think that Kirk Cousins is going to be exactly who he's going to be. And what determines whether this team achieves what they should or can achieve will be everything else around him. Do they block? How's the play calling from Kevin Stefanski? How's the kicking? How's the defense? All those things. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I don't know. A big picture. You and I say to break down some, sometimes so much minutia that pull it back for me and give me big picture on Kirk Cousins. The offense has to play better. That's what I saw the other night, uh, whether it's Kirk Cousins or an offensive lineman here or a receiver running the right route there. Uh, the offense must play better. This team, I'm sure the defense will be good. It always is. Mm-hmm. How good, we don't know. Will it be number one or will it be number ten? But I think they'll be in the top ten in the league. Um, but the offense has to be better. And 
They have to protect the quarterback better. The quarterback has to make the throws. Uh, the receivers have to run the routes. And this thing has to be executing at a very, very high level and be really efficient. And mm-hmm. I think that's the word that uh, Vikings fans uh, should be you know, talking about with this offense. I don't think they're going to lead the league in passing or lead the league in rushing. But, you know, they need to be really, really efficient. And uh, they were not efficient the other night at all. Yeah, I think it's easy to point at, at Kirk, obviously. I, I just... Um I watched a pretty good chunk of, of his time out there, and I think it's he didn't look comfortable. He didn't look consistent, you know. But you know, I think everything affects everything else. So to Sage's point, I just think you know there needs to be more continuity and consistency uh, with this group because they're. Um, I don't think they're going to be ultra, um, you know, one-sided. And, and you mean that they have to be more balanced? Is yeah. That what you mean? Well, so what do you see, Brooks, when you when you watch Kirk Cousins? Because I've I've gotten way too much of Sage's breakdown. I got an email once. Somebody said, "Why don't you guys talk more about like the, you know, the the cornerback battle instead of Kirk Cousins?" It's like it's because of the quarterback, the football team. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, well, it, it is. Of, it's the lightning rod of the team, and yeah, people like yeah. talking about the quarterback. And he's it's the easiest person to say they've done good or bad or you know quarterback yeah. wins is somehow a quarterback stat now right it's not a staff or defensive end right hang so on, hang on to that because i want to get you guys take on that but I, I want i just want you to tell me as a former quarterback and i know you coach football too just what you see when you look at kirk cousins like what's the best thing that he does what's the thing that he does where you're like i don't know that kind of drives me crazy <clears throat> well i think like a like uh, a number of guys i'd first say and and I like I was talking with Sage earlier. I have not studied these guys for the last couple of years, right? Like I am a casual mm-hmm. observer uh, with a little bit more of a background than you know probably most people. Um, I think he's I think he can be two different people. I think when he's comfortable and he's in rhythm. Now that's a that's kind of a redundant thing, right? But he's accurate. He throws the ball on time. I think he puts a, he throws the ball where it should go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if just from a high level, what I think is going to have to change different than last year is like, and this is true of a lot of guys, again, I don't want to sound uh, oversimplifying it, but but when there's some cracks that show up, which there will be, and he gets hit in the mouth a couple of times, or there's some adversity, or Thielen's chirping him, or Diggs is chirping him, or whatever, what happens then? Because mm-hmm. it seems to me that it either goes well and smooth and it's kind of pretty, and he, he can play in that world, right? He can he can, and, but I just think when there seems to be adversity and, and some tougher times that that he gets so tense, yeah. he gets so yeah. almost wanting to try so hard um, that it, I think he just it gets a little. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. It gets a little choppy, I'd say. Well, I think it's a great point. And I go back to Chicago Soldier Field last year. It's on national TV, and he's got a chance in the fourth quarter to go down and tie the game with a touchdown. And it's a uh, little smash concept. And you're like, yeah, I, can, I can spot him sometimes. And if I remember, it was kind of an easy read. I mean, easy for me to say, of course. It's not ever super easy. But something that's pretty standard, the throw, I think it goes to the outside throw. And instead, he was looking deep over the middle when it wasn't there, and there was a deep safety, and just picked them off and took it back for a pick six. And it was like, well, how many times does Kirk Cousins make that mistake in normal situations? Almost never, because that's a read that should be pretty standard for him. And that's the 
I think biggest question about him is not whether he can make the throws or he's accurate or anything like that. The guy can play NFL quarterback. It's whether a big night in Chicago on national TV, you're going to be able to go make a play in a tough situation that's going to tie the game for your team. And so far during his career, I mean, even in the one playoff game that he got, they were up by 11 points and they lost to Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean... that's, I think, a great point, Brooks, about how there is something to that. And I don't know how that gets corrected other than if you play better football, you're not in those tough spots as much. Well, and there's a situation where, you know, the NFL obviously is the bright lights are always on, whether it's a noon game or a yeah. Sunday night game. But we all know the, the primetime games or the game against the Patriots or the game against the, the Packers. This that's diff- There's a little different mm-hmm. uh, uh, feel in the air. You know, when I would... Uh, We'd be playing somebody, and it was a, you know, a non-division team. It was a small market. You could just sort of tell there wasn't that same intensity in the stands mm-hmm. before the game. Now it was it was full go. Obviously, when you're when you're playing the games and all those things, but there just wasn't that type of sort of playoff mentality. Uh, and in those types of games, he has not played well. Uh, and it's not just the fact that his record is like 5-26 and 26 or something like that people keep talking about, but those are the games or, or the times of the game, the fourth quarter when you're up by a touchdown or you're down by a touchdown. Does this guy you know, uh, you know, give us enough to, to win the game, and does he really excel during that time, mm-hmm. right? Or does he start to maybe flutter a little bit? And so far in his career, that's not when he's excelled as much when the, it's a huge game to get a, uh, a team that's a playoff caliber team that's not uh, been his uh, been his thing and and if they, listen if the vikings want to get in the playoffs this year the vikings want to make a run which most people think they have that type of roster he's gonna have to play well against winning franchises against playoff teams and fourth quarters when you're up or down by a touchdown he needs to play well that time i don't know how he does it but he just hasn't done it enough in the past and i think to, to your point earlier is they need to do it. He's. I don't think he just can sit there and consciously change that. Right. Because right? then you're like, well, he had this one game and he played bad and he didn't make the play on third and six. Mm-hmm. Right. That is a. That is one of the overwhelming mind screw ups of playing quarterback. Right. Mm-hmm. He's like, you you don't know when that third and six is going to come or what play is going to be called or what defense it is. You can, you can hit that putt a thousand times, but until it's for the tour championship, it doesn't feel that way. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah. And there's so many moving things around. So I think Sage had it right away off the top is what do they need to do? They need to play good offense. I think that plays a lot of it. it. The more that he can feel kind of what's around him, mm-hmm. can feel supported, can feel some some kind of consistency within that. Because even the other day, like I could just tell from the beginning of the game, like he just wasn't comfortable. Yep. There was there was some penetrate. I, I think that there was the line was moving the, into his lap. The, the, one of the first plays of the game, uh, there was some serious pressure right into his lap. Uh, yep. And it was a three step drop on a slant to Diggs, and the, I believe it was the right guard got pushed back four or five yards in the pocket. So very first play, you know, he, it's a three step drop, and here he is basically getting hit or run over. Yep. That'll sort of make you uncomfortable the rest of the game sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So uh, it's a bit to come back to that. I wish that he would just. You know, Ricky Williams is, a, is, a, is an interesting guy, all right? And I was lucky enough to play with him. But he used to say uh, he loves to get lost in the game. Yeah. And that sounds weird, yeah. but like in basketball, I was a basketball player, you get lost in the yeah, game. And that's, how you, that's how you get in the zone. Yeah, You're so into the game that you sort of don't realize what's going on or where you're playing, whether you're at a park or whether you're playing for the state championship. You just get lost mm-hmm. in the game. 
and I think I wish Kirk would get lost in the game yeah. and just compete because that's you know just, that's when you just sort of go down to your to your gut and go let's do this thing and there's the, that that I'd like to see and not where you know he's sort of strategically trying to balance everything out and over like I just want to see that you well, know see that sort of competitive nature out of him yeah. and Paul Chris who I coached with and played for his line was play the game just play the game right you've been playing this game since you're a little kid yeah but I think. And, and guys just have different personalities of how they get mm-hmm. there. With him, I think, to the point I made earlier, is he's always wanted. I think about him when he snapped on the deal. Uh, thing. How do you yeah, like that? Corner. No, no, no. But way back to Washington. How do you oh, like that? Oh, oh you like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. Because it was so built up inside of him, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like he's he almost is over aware to Sage's point. Of yeah. What this what this means and what has to get done here, and it's like just. just Go so, play the game. You might miss this third down and get it back, but you're going to find a way because of the guys around you. Yeah. And that's hard for guys. Like, if you would have paid me that much money and I had to think, you know, mm-hmm. and think about it that way, you know, that's that's a lot to put on your shoulders. And I think that's kind of what's happening. So in a weird way, we almost need him to care less. Yes. Right? Yeah. Favre's greatest yeah. strength was that Favre cared so much but somehow he played mm-hmm. like he could care less. Now, occasionally it would come back to Hanami to throw that bad pick, but like he was out in there. In some pretty big spots. Yes. A, I don't know spots. if any Vikings fans are but listening. His, <laughs> but his only mentality was to, to win those games, yep. you're going to have to have that same mentality. Yep. And if you're the guy who only wants to drive 55 miles an hour, you know, you're never going to actually win a championship. There's times you got to just you know stick the metal, uh, the pedal to the metal, and you might drive off the road, and that's the way it goes. But also, you could win the race, and I yeah. think I would like to see that a little bit more out of him. You know, that sort of competitive spirit, that fire uh, that that we all know. That I think I know that he has. I feel like that he has. I'd like to see that, and I think his teammates would love that too. So the, it's interesting because I wondered if he would come back this year with some sort of indignance to his tone when he talked to us, and it hasn't really been there. So I, I guess it could go either way. It could be like maybe secretly, you know, he puts on a different face for the media, but secretly he feels like he was ripped apart way too much last year yeah. and over-criticized, and it wasn't necessarily his fault, and he's going to go show everybody this year and maybe play a little bit more like that. Or it, the other way it could go is he wasn't liked last year, and I think he's a guy who wants to be liked. And to have fans boo you at the end of the year and not and not really like you and show up to training camp with Teddy Bridgewater jerseys on still, even though you're the guy. I mean, I, I think there's a little bit, too, of it being a weird situation for someone who needs people to like him to have kind of a callous view of him. Fans look at him and say, we paid you, win, or we hate you. And that's the only, there's no cute story. There's no, we drafted you, you're going to develop and get better. It's, we paid you, go win, or we're going to look at you as one of the biggest bust signings of all time. And and that's kind of all there is. And I think that's a really tough situation for him. Yeah, but that's playing quarterback. I, I don't care if you're at Wisconsin, you're in college kids go through this. I mean, it's the world we live in, mm-hmm. right? And, and because of this and, and all the talk and all the, Media coverage and whatever, like that's the that's what it means to play the position. Mm-hmm. And I and I think first of all we're quarterbacks. Like I think we all play the position because we want to be liked, right? And it goes back to you know getting the date to homecoming uh, when you're in high school. <laughs> but, but 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 I think looking back in hindsight, right? And Sage, you, I'd love to get your take on this too. Is like I thought I was. I mean, 
people don't really care that much, right? We talk about people saying stuff and whatever. Like, mm-hmm. there's this whole world out here. Like, this year, I didn't even know training camp started. You know what I mean? Like, just relax, okay? And, um, but, but I think the, the number one mistake that's made is they pay you the money, you hear those things, you start feeling like everybody's judging you, picking on you, right. and the only solution, in my opinion, is to go, I don't care about me. Yeah. How do I make Adam better? How do I make mm-hmm. Diggsy better? How do I make the running backs better? Now, people, you can go on TV and say that or whatever, but you have to truly believe it in your things. I am, I'm just like Kevin Stefanski is as a coordinator. I'm just like anybody on this building. My only job is to make these guys' life better. Mm-hmm. That's all you can be judged by. Whatever anybody else says, you know, forget about it. Well, you know, Nick Foles, when he won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, <clears throat> there is something about him. Uh, sort of an aura around him that I thought was like no pressure. Yeah, like he just had, um, he was not concerned about really losing the game. He would throw, make throws. That, was, you know, that would end up being working out really well for him. Mm-hmm. But he played really, really loose for a guy who just came in to a team and you know, had sort of bounced around a little bit. Was, you know, I guess almost a little bit of a failure. Yeah. Uh, bounced around and ended up back. Uh, in Philadelphia, and he just played lights out. And it's again, it's he had that like almost didn't care. You know, he talked about quitting football. Yeah, yeah. And that was a big story leading up to the Super Bowl was that he and his wife had discussed. You know, he must have made enough money where he just didn't. Uh, it wasn't working out well for him. Mm-hmm. He didn't enjoy it. You know, whatever. And I think at that point, when he decided not to quit, but but to continue to play, and then get signed by the Eagles, and then win the Super Bowl. Um, was that he wasn't going to stress about it yeah. so much. Yeah. He was going to go out there every single day, work hard, enjoy his teammates, mm-hmm. try to get better, and then try to go win a game on Sunday. And that just, you know, if you win, you win, you lose, you lose. And tomorrow I'm going to do the same thing. I'm yeah. going to go out there, I'm going to practice, I'm going to lift, I'm going to have com- camaraderie with my teammates, I'm going to, you know, try to be a good husband and a good father and just live your life and let sort of let the cards fall where they may, yeah. right? And, and I... That would be. I think that's a that's real, uh, sort of uh, freeing to a quarterback. Yeah, it's like a sure. relief. It takes all that pressure off your shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, so you can just go out there and you know you know at the end of the day it's all going to work out, now, Wh- whether you win football games or not. No, now the only thing you got to do is you can't be Jay Cutler on this side, right? <laughs> yeah. So you got to have bumpers. Yeah. Right? yeah. Right. Right. And that, that's the thing is, I mean, it's a sweet spot. But I'll tell you what, I I think you hit the nail on the head of nothing, kind of breaks my heart more that might be a strong term but like even high school kids now right there's they they spend so much time everything's so measured right and everything's to get somewhere else like i'm gonna go get a scholarship and so we went to this camp i went to 10 camps i'm, I'm four star on three different sites i paid this guy to be you know all the stuff they do now right which is fine but enjoy the game yeah you you it's such a small amount of time that you get to play this game like mm-hmm. You're the where you want to stay is, and I listen. I did it the same thing, trying to save my own butt, right? Where you you, you protect yourself, or you measure it, or you, you know you, the moments a little bit like, oh, I just gotta survive this or whatever. And like that's a waste, you know. Like you got a really good football team this year. You're the starting quarterback, a franchise yeah. quarterback, and and I get it. It's, it's hard, man. It, it is hard, but I just want to see him enjoy it. I just want to see him have some fun. You know, because this group could be really, I think, pretty dang good. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've recently learned a little lesson uh, that somebody said to me, and we're, we're talking about worry, 
W O R R Y, worry. And they're like, what has worry ever done for you in a positive way? Really think about that. And we all worry. All right, I got three kids. You got this, you got that, you got family, you got parents who are in their 70s now. Like, there's a lot of things to worry about. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between worry and preparation. Yeah. And people sometimes confuse the two. You know, when you're up at night and you're worrying about something and you can't sleep, unless you're actually preparing. Unless you get your laptop out and go, okay, I'm going to take some notes down and I'm going to try to, so then I can put my mind at ease and tomorrow morning I'm going to work on these things. If you just sit there and worry about what could happen, mm-hmm. particularly in a, in a negative way, uh, it's just going to bog you down and take energy yeah. away from what you're trying to get done. So don't worry, prepare. And, uh, and, and yeah, this is one of those things that I think allows the really, really good quarterbacks to sort of then be free and just let their athletic ability take over. I've always thought, you know, Tom Brady, once he, got, once he won that first Super Bowl, after that he would stand in the pocket and he would take sometimes really bad sacks, you know, three, four, five hitches. Aaron Rodgers does it all the time. He's running around and it's like, oh, what a terrible sack he just took on that play. Guys like Brooks and I, that first that first, second, third read's not there. We're throwing it away. Like, we cannot right. afford right. to get sacked in this situation or sack fumble in this situation. And it happens sometimes to the super superstars mm-hmm. because they don't have this, like, worry in the back of their minds mm-hmm. that they might, might get cut. Or they might, might not make the team next <laughs> right. year. Right. Or that might be an embarrassment because Aaron Rodgers does so many amazing things. He's not going to be embarrassed about losing the game on a sack fumble mm-hmm. when he should have just thrown the ball away. Yeah. Guys like Brooks and I, we sit there and worry all day because, like, we could get <laughs> cut if we do something really stupid right now so well, the ability when you have like superstar money that kirk has like just let it go you know like just let it go and just go play and just compete mm-hmm. with your teammates and uh and see how you know you know things fall out yeah and i feel guilty even like saying that you know because i'm more it's like if it was me in that situation <laughs> right like i see myself not talent wise but i see myself in there going just enjoy it somehow you know and um, that's what I hope for him because I, I think if they can find a way to kind of get that, just that fun as a group, because I think they got some fun personalities. Yeah, I, just, I haven't yep. been around them as much as you guys, but it just seems to, I think it could be a special group. So um, it just feels right now like we have to make this happen. Right. And, and well, else. there's always that thing. Of course, we're going back two years to go into the championship game, and then they sign Kirk, and that's sort of like there's this pressure to get to there or further. Yep. yep. And that's like the starting point, right? right? Now, uh, I'm going to do some Iowa State pub here. Our head coach, Matt Campbell, has this phrase, trust the process. But, of course, a lot of, a lot of teams use this sort mm-hmm. of phrase now, this process. It's that whole sort of like, don't worry about the, the destination. Just enjoy the journey and work every day and then see how things sort of fall out, uh, how things uh, uh, sort of end up. And, and that, that's, you know, enjoy this journey that this team is on. Because that team from two years ago, that was a journey. There was not a destination. Oh, like, yeah. this is a Super Bowl caliber team. Case Keenum's our starting quarterback, right? <laughs> yeah. It was like, no, let's just try to win this week. Yeah. yeah. And it was week to week. It was day to day. It wasn't this thing down the line. Uh, and just try to play, you know, well every single, you know, day. And, and you know, when I, when I got a scholarship at Iowa State, it was my other scholarship offer. I'm not sure what your thoughts are when you got one to Wisconsin. But at that time, with my parents, we discussed – how great is this that I'm going to be able to not have any student loans? <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to be able to play college football. Mm-hmm. May not even ever play a snap, but I'm going to have, you know, five years of college paid for and not have all these loans that my siblings had. Mm-hmm. Like, that was sort of the goal. That was like, this is great. Yeah. And then I got there, 
And it was like, okay, if I could just, you know, get a, a letter by being a holder, I held for the first couple of years. And then I was like, well, it'd be nice to start for one year my senior year. That was sort of my goal after about a year into Iowa State. I was like, you know, it'd be nice to start my senior year. You know, start in the Big 12 Conference, maybe we win some games, maybe I get a job in Des Moines for one of those big insurance companies or something, <laughs> or maybe I move to Minneapolis or Chicago and, and uh, you know, whatever it was. And I just tried to focus on that journey and not, like, pressure as a freshman to start and go to the NFL. Like, that, the NFL wasn't even a part of my thinking until after my junior year when I did start and my name got put on some of these lists of possible pro quarterbacks. Like, that was the first time I actually even thought about playing mm-hmm. pro quarterback probably since I was, like, in middle school. Yeah. Or, I, I think, or maybe even, like, elementary school. You know, I was just trying to start for my high school football team when I was growing up. <laughs> well, that's what changed. My first start was at Ohio State. We won uh, 42-17, went nine straight games and won the Rose Bowl. Right, that was my red shirted. Then I played. That was free and easy. Right? It was like you don't even know what's going on. It's just like this is just play. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you, you, that happens, and then now you got time to look at it and go, okay, now that's the bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be yeah. better next year, and what if I'm not better? Yeah. Like, you had that pressure. So all, all of a sudden, years. then it was like I almost had to feel that, try and hold on to it, then let it go and get it back. You know what I mean? Because it's a it changes things. I don't care what anybody says. Um, when 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 you get paid whatever he got guaranteed, or any of these guys, and and everything else is because they just did it right, and everything else is the same. And and now it's uh, I shouldn't say it's the same, but it, it looks to he to be the key piece to get to the next level. That's a different. It's that's a hard. hard. It's a lot of pressure and a huge fan base. One of the best in the NFL. You know, sometimes I describe I describe throwing a football. Uh, in, in an NFL game, sometimes even practice, it's almost like putting. You know, you're, you're sitting over a six-footer, and you're feeling really good about things. You've been playing well all day. Your mind just in this good spot. That's, those six-footers feel like two-footers sometimes. And then there's times where six-footers feel like 10, 12-footers. Like, I just hope this thing, I, I hope I make the comeback or afterwards. <laughs> you know, you're just, you're, you're physically almost frozen a little bit. And you, you see that in, in professional golfers. You see sometimes the same thing as a quarterback when, things aren't uh, going well and you start to see that you can actually see the pressure on a quarterback's shoulder sometimes and they rarely uh, go through the, their, their mind doesn't function as fast mm-hmm. they don't go through the reads as well they don't anticipate as well uh, and, and that you know well I think sort Rogers, of freezing up can really hinder a quarterback I think Rodgers was there last year yeah I think he was there in a bad spot mm-hmm. yeah. now it's a different scenario they're not going to blame him there right I yep. think they're starting to a little bit but for the most part, it's everybody else's fault. Young receivers yeah. don't have a the line. Old coach. Old coach. But you talk about two different, no, different players, different. Every situation is different, but um, I just think that's uh, interesting. You know, one of the things that Eli Manning has done his whole career is he has this ability uh, during games to sort of be a street ball player. And he was always sort of like that growing up, I think, mm-hmm. uh, but a guy that would do some unorthodox things, and sometimes it would come back to haunt him. But he had this ability to uh, alleviate, I think, mental pressure. When I got traded to the Giants, when I left the Vikings in 2010, I showed up on a Saturday of, of the, right after the preseason. It was during that, you know, it's like this next week coming up, yeah. Labor Day weekend. And I show up there, and I went in um, on that Tuesday, after like a Monday practice, went on Tuesday, because I'm trying to learn this offense that I don't know at all. And I walk into the quarterback room, and Eli's in there, 
and there was a guy who's probably 50 wearing like a suit, and on the board there was all this stuff written down, and it was like Peyton's younger brother, Archie's son, New York Giants media, and it had like this list of 10 things that obviously they were like going through of Hmm. pressure. Right, and then how obviously like to you know like a sports psychologist. Obviously, the guy was a sports psychologist, but the ability to work through that pressure, maybe even let it feed you and not hinder you. And you know, a year and a half later, Eli won the Super Bowl, yeah. his second one. Right, so yeah. there is definitely something there, sports psychology wise, to deal with pressure and to work your way through it, or just again like worry. Don't let it stick to you. Don't let it bother you because there's nothing you can do about yeah, it. Yeah, I think uh, for someone like me, it's uh, in one way we judge Kirk Cousins' play the way we have to judge it because that's how the fans are going to look at it. And eight seven and one is not good enough for what you got paid for and everything else. And then on the other side, and I know he gets paid a lot, but we could still sympathize with people who get paid a lot. Like that's okay in society yeah. to do. And uh, the situation he walked into. No matter who their quarterback was, short of someone like Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, they probably weren't going to be as good as the year before because everything kind of broke their way. Yeah, the, bounce, like the, said, ba- the, bounce, the, the balls bounced the, the, the right way. The balls bounced the right ago. way. The, the locker room was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. Players said that. They had a miracle play in the playoffs. It was He comes into a situation where he's just never going to be able to repeat that. Yeah. And, and other teams got better, and they made moves, and they had draft picks and everything else around you trying to chase you down. And so even though I think he should have played better and made the playoffs last year, putting that bar was a little bit high, and I think it impacted him psychologically for sure. So. But that is his job. Yeah, that right, is exactly. his job. That's why I got the big I'm not, paycheck. I'm not crying and, any tears for him, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, that's his job. But, we could, but, I mean, we could talk about we could we could we could sit here and probably analyze Xavier Rhodes' play right now. He's not. I don't think he's playing great football. He got burnt the other uh, night he did. He uh, did. for a big play, and he was four yards behind the receiver, and, and he's making a you know a huge salary, yeah. one of the top salaries on the team. So the quarterback position is just that lightning rod. Uh, spot where everyone likes to talk about it. Sage Rosenfels, Brooks Bollinger, journeyman quarterback day here was a lot of fun, guys. And I really appreciate your time making it out. It's raining here. It's not beautiful. But you got your cookies. You got your cheese curds. You guys, you guys are doing okay. Um, this was great. I hope we can do it again. This Absolutely. was awesome. Thanks really for having me. It. We'll have to get Todd Bauman out here sometime. The arm, right? He's got a laser. Huge arm. Yeah. He <laughs> could dunk. And his son. His son's going to Iowa State. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. His son's a lefty. I believe coming. To, I think he's a lefty. He's going to come to Iowa State. So, all right, we'll see how his career is there. Well, thanks again, guys, and I hope everyone uh, who's listening on the podcast version of this really enjoyed it um, because I know that I did and learned a lot from you guys here today. So, great stuff. Um, Zolgad's going to come in here. We'll continue to the conversation about the Vikings as we lead into the very exciting fourth preseason game. We will be <laughs> right back. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Daily Matthew Collar, now Judge Zolgad is coming in. He and Brooks Bollinger reliving Adrian Peterson. What was it going over two thousand yards? No, Bollinger no, the uh, two thousand seven. The two thousand, the two hundred ninety-six yard historic rushing game by oh, Adrian. Okay. Yes, was as Brooks referred to. Tavares got knocked out cold in that game. What I forgot is Brooks came in and not, didn't just play played well and threw a, a touchdown that's pass. That's right. Yes. To Sidney Rice. Yes. I completely right. forgot that. Yeah. And uh, had it slightly overshadowed by his running back. Yeah, I told him, I said, I'm sorry. I don't remember you playing well. But you have to have a shining moment to be a true journeyman. Because yep. otherwise, you're just a guy. Like, other, otherwise, you're just a guy. Sean Mannion. Much respect to Sean Mannion. But he's just a guy. Mm-hmm. If he comes in a game at some point, 
Kirk Cousins goes down with an ankle. He comes in a game. They're down 14 points. Sean Mannion leads a comeback. He's officially a journeyman. Like, so that's, that's what you it, need. It becomes a fraternity at the point that you do something that can be considered memorable. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and that's, that's what – and that – so off the air, Sage was telling a story about um, knowing a bus driver who drove Britney Spears and <laughs> taking a bunch of people to their concert and everything else. And uh, it, just the number of stories that these guys end up having because of those little glimmers of shining moments or whatever else it might be that keep them in the league. Because otherwise, you're just filtering in guys you don't have to pay very much. But if you've done enough to have, as Sage did, a 20-point comeback against the Buffalo Bills, then someone's going to see that and go, well, if he's capable of that, then he's going to uh, you know, play for us, at least as our backup. Is He, he could do something in, here. You in know? Sage's case, that, that was Rick. Spielman really liked yeah. him a lot. Yep. Spielman got him here yep. and said exactly that. He was good with the Dolphins. He came in again uh, with the Texans, had some success. Yep. And so Rick's whole philosophy was, let's give this guy a chance. He went 4-1 and one, one year with uh, Houston, filling in for Matt Schaub yep. with some injuries there. So anyway, I hope you all enjoyed that. That was, that was fun to listen to. fantastic to listen to them talk about Kirk Cousins and the mental pressure that has been on him since he signed here. And uh, that's a perspective that uh, I don't think just we can give you unless you've actually been under center in an NFL game. <laughs> this so is very true. Really cool stuff from Sage and Brooks. If you missed any of it, make sure you go back to uh, iTunes, type in Purple Daily and download the show all right judd uh what do you want to know i mean we got the fourth preseason game zimmer Zimmer is smiling talking about the practice squad today and that's my fault i asked him but he's talking about these oh i got to make these tough practice squad decisions and you got to get the smart guys and the fast guys and (laughs) guys with potential and all these things and is there any way aside from gambling Yep. that we can make this fourth preseason game fun. Do you have anything in your mind? You like fun, Judd. Tell me something that makes the fourth preseason game between the Minnesota Vikings and Buffalo Bills fun. Give me something. You've got to have something. Um, The fourth preseason game. The fourth preseason game. Full disclosure, the Vikings play in Buffalo on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Go for football opens the season against South Dakota State at TCF Bank Stadium at 8 p.m. on so Thursday. So you're going to that. I'm going to the go for okay, football game. It's very, it's, it's very difficult because nobody's going to play on either side. So I can't say, well, the quarterback situation behind Kirk will play itself out because you'll see because they're not going to play it's against over anybody. Anyway. It's done. So um, the, o- the only thing I could think from a Vikings perspective that might be interesting uh, – for your purposes, is you pro- there probably is still uh, some competition going on there for the final receiver positions, slots? Oh, I have an update on that. Okay. The update on that is, so the starters are getting ready for Atlanta already, and they're practicing in the morning. Okay. And the other guys are practicing in the afternoon who are going to play in this fourth preseason game. And uh, so we get up there, and we're going to Zimmer's press conference, and all the players are coming off the field, and we're interviewing them and so forth. And I'm like, wait. Who's that with the starters? Is that number 81 B.C. Johnson with the starters practicing? Oh, oh. oh Mike's not going to be happy. Look at that. Wandering eyes don't make for a happy Mike Zimmer. Well, I mean, we're allowed to be there and interview any starters <laughs> know, he, coming off the He field. once got very upset when so, someone turned around and saw a quarterback taking snaps I know the first team. exactly how upset he was. I was there. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so. So wait. So, okay. So, so B.C. Johnson right. was working with the starters, uh-huh. which. 
So was Chad Beebe, which I think tells you that our four receivers are set. And now it's up to a fifth receiver if there's going to be one. I still think that's going to be Brandon Zilstra. But as soon as I saw number 81, I was like, okay, wait, is Zilstra out here too? Is Dylan Mitchell out here? Is anybody else? And it was just BC among the guys who would be considered bubble players. So I think that that suggests that even the wide receiver, we've got four spots pretty well finished here. And that leaves me with only one thing that we can really watch, Judd. And I think that resolved itself last week. The punter. Oh. He's now the punter. He's not the kicker slash punter anymore. So now After have, the other day, he's just Have we punter. cleared th- that up completely? Well, so at least there's no mind. kicking competition now. So there's a punting competition. I am. I, I know that you think that there's a, a very good chance that Vedvik gets jettisoned off the roster. But I'm so interested to see if Rick Spielman... Three weeks after giving up a fifth-round pick and, in his mind, outsmarting Chicago is going to go along with... Because I could completely be, see Mike being like, let's just cut the kid. But for Rick to then give up a draft pick and turn around and be like, okay, I'll cut him, that could... I'd love to hear that conversation. Yeah, no, That could get I, contentious. So I, the way I look at it is... Now, I don't know how this is done. I, I would, I'm sure if you asked... Okay, how's the roster made? They would say, oh, it's collaborative effort. We ask everybody. We ask the interns. We ask the PR people. We ask the, right, we ask Jake yep. Browning. Like, I'm sure they would never tell you who's wielding the biggest amount of power. But it has to be the coaching staff, right? It just has to be. They have to make this decision. I don't think that you can have the general manager and the front office who are going out and bringing them the players make the calls because then there's just too much bias there we love this guy or whatever else but the coaches are the ones who are watching the practice tape every day they're the ones that are focusing on them in practice knowing if they're doing what's right or what's wrong where the general manager is only getting an overview of these things and reports on these things so when it comes to this decision i think it comes down to marwin maloof the guy who's the special team's uh, coordinator. I think it's his decision, and it should be his decision only. He, he's in charge of that. Who do you want? Do you want Kerry Vedvik, or do you want Matt Weil, or do you want Dan Bailey? And you make that call, sir. Because if you don't, if you go over his head, then you're alienating someone from the very beginning. Well, sure you over are. Over a fifth-round draft pick. Yes, you are. But e- egos always play a role here. Oh, of course. And are you going to get less than a month out from acquiring this kid and then cut him? Especially when you could torture the roster spot into being a kickoff specialist. Well, Which, by the way, I don't like, don't agree with. But you could torture it into being, you could. we're keeping all three of them and Bailey's not going to have to kick off. You know, the way I look at this, though, is that the fifth-round pick that they did take this year, Cameron Smith, he might get cut. I mean, they, they have some other linebackers who are decent. They love Kentrell Brothers as a special teams guy. He's going to stay. Uh, Devontae Downs they just picked last year, and he was somebody that they saw with high potential. And I don't know. I couldn't tell you if he's played well on special teams or not. They would know better than me. But, uh, you know, Cameron Smith, their fifth-round pick could get cut. We see this happen all the time, a fifth, sixth, seventh-round pick. So I think they would look at it as if Matt Weil is so much better than Corey Vedvik, then you just have to bite the bullet and you have to look bad and you're going to have to take the fact that on that day and then people will get over it almost immediately except you uh oh but, i will it, <laughs> it's it's rick who i don't think will uh yeah well that's true i'll with, get over yeah, it I that's don't. true with egos and so forth yeah but um that's the only thing to me that i could come up with that's fun to watch let me get just a quick 
Andrew Luck take from you before I wrap up the show here, Judd. Um, again, if you missed any of Brooks Bollinger and Sage Rosenfels, make sure you go back and listen to that, scorenorth.com, if you don't have the app, but you should because it's free. All right, we'll be right back here on Purple Daily. 3.49 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. Rain or shine, will still be out here every weekday during the fair. Right off Chambers Street, off the left edge of the grandstand. Score North Twin Show at noon, Purple Daily, 2 to 4. And Mackie and Judd with Rami from 4 to 6 p.m. Every weekday at the State Fair. Again, off Chambers Street, on the left edge of the grandstand. You can check us out during our shows from noon to 6. Also check out our merchandise booth, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily. We got we got ponchos. Shirts. We got ponchos. Yeah, we got ponchos for day for days like this. Three dollars. Also, if you Three? show us your Score North yeah. mobile app, you'll receive a five dollar yeah. T-shirt. And we're we also donating money. all yeah. proceeds from the All Arise T-shirts to Luis Arise's favorite charity, the Ronald McDonald's House. That's been the Score North download. Now back to the final segment today, of Purple Daily. All right. Okay. So, Judd, just the other day we were talking about Andrew Luck and Friday with and Byron. Yeah. Cold takes for me. I said, oh, man, I would trade for Andrew Luck right now and make him my quarterback for the next 10 years. And then a day later, he calls it quits. So I guess I won't be uh, watching him for the next 10 years then, although I've got a hunch that he'll eventually come back. But what was uh, what was your feel, Judd? I mean, a lot of things going on at once here. Uh, uh, to me, a guy that had a chance to be a legend, not just a good quarterback or something. I mean, this is not the 12th best or 15th best quarterback in the league. This is top two, three, four. And as soon as Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, and Tom Brady go, he would he could have been number one. Yeah. He could have been the best quarterback in the entire NFL. Yep. And for him to walk away, to me, it was a gut punch. I just really enjoyed watching the guy play, and I really liked who he is. I don't want to say was because he's, like, still yeah, he's not dead. But, like, I, I really liked that personality as a quarterback of someone who just seemed to get people to play better than they were supposed to, to care about him, for him to care about them. And we don't give enough credit to LeBron James and to Andrew Luck and to probably Peyton Manning and Bryce Harper and generational players. That amount of pressure has ruined way more people than it's ever helped. So if you're one of nine out of every ten people who get called a generational talent completely blow up and implode and we never hear from them again. And Andrew Luck was a guy who just took it in complete stride. And I was always in amazement of that and what he battled through to be as good as he was last year. I thought it was truly incredible. And I wish that he could have gone on to be a Hall of Famer. As a sports fan, this stinks because... It's hard to find good quarterbacks, period, let alone potentially or established great quarterbacks. So many feelings when I saw that, um, but my first was, selfishly, this really stinks. I don't yep. care if he came back to U.S. Bank Stadium and beat the, bike, the Vikings 15 more times or something. I wanted to watch him do that, and he's not going to now. I agree with, with you. He plays again, and I, I think we're going to talk about this at the outset of the uh, next show, Mackie and Judd with Rami which is the booing factor. Yeah. Um, I got to admit, Matthew, very little shocks me, and I'm all for booing guys if they deserve it. Mm -hmm. But in that context, I was shocked. I was shocked he retired, and so my mouth was agape. But the last response I expected without knowing a thing was to boo the guy. Yeah. I I just, I, I like to think that I'm as jaded as anybody, but that one, 
if you had said, okay, Luck's going to retire, guess what's going to happen? He's going to be on the sideline, he's going to leave the field, and he's going to get booed by a lot of fans. I'd be like, no, he's not. They'll be shocked. They, they might be mad. And by the way, they, they should be mad. We're losing a great player. But um, to boo him going off the field like that, man, it just it, to me in some ways it speaks to the time in which we live right now. Yeah, the way it was rolled out is fascinating in itself. It comes out on Twitter, so it goes through the stands like wildfire. Andrew Luck himself does not realize it while he's down on the sideline. Yes. Probably until, my guess is that he started to hear murmurs yeah. in the crowd. And then he realized. And someone it, had to come out and tell him, right? Yeah, it must be out there. Schefter's I, put it out there. Yeah, I don't know if a PR person or somebody came out and told him, hey, this has already uh, been put out there. But even the radio broadcast for the Colts was having a tough time with, do we say this? Do we not say right. this? But it's Adam Schefter, so we can't not say this. It's the most reliable reporter that there is. So what do we do here? And it put everybody in an odd situation. And But I agree with you that I would have expected people to be yelling, like, don't retire, right. or, or even, in a way, cheering him off the field, or thank you, Andrew Luck, or something like that. And to have him be booed, I mean, I, I can't get too huffy about things that fans do. They've done much worse. Cheering for Ray Rice when he came back was probably uh, quite a bit worse than booing Andrew Luck for hurting their feelings. But uh, I thought the whole thing was kind of a gut punch uh, if you like football at all. I mean, for anybody who enjoys football, you hate to see someone who's great at it have to walk away from the game because it's destroying their body. And and selfishly, though, especially at that position, right? Like if this was a wide receiver, a generational receiver, running back, safety, it'd be okay, that's sad. Yeah. But this is a position at which we have a really hard time finding good ones at all much less great ones. All right. Um, just uh, real quick before we wrap up. So what do we, uh, if he doesn't come back, like what's what's the Andrew Luck legacy? Is it entirely just that he was that great he walked, and walked away? That he walked away. Yeah, I think this it's, is um, it. It's Jim Brown. It's Sandy Colfax. Barry Sanders. Yeah. It's that box. That this will, especially with him, it's the what could he have been? Yeah, he was a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I don't. But he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback now. No, no. So I, I think any conver- uh, ten years from now, if I bring his name up, you're not going to be like, well, let's talk about the start of his career. You're going to talk about right. the night he walked away. And I do believe sports wise, you're going to if you're a huge sports fan like us, you're going to remember where you were. Because it was just so damn surprising. And that's the unfortunate part about it, is that I would have loved his legacy just as an enjoyer of sport to have been the number one quarterback in the league for a long time, to win a couple of rings and all that sort of thing. And instead, yeah, it ends up being, I wonder what he could have done in the second half of his career had there been one. So uh, you guys will discuss it more. Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next, along with some Twins talk as well. From the Minnesota State Fair, if you're coming out, uh, bring an umbrella or buy a poncho from us. All right. $3. We'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow here on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for 2 Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. 
hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.